Fun one for you today. Hopped on with Jake Iggy of Locked On Red Sox. We talked about some potential trades. Brian Reynolds, Sean Murphy, Brandon Woodruff, as well as some of their Rule 5 decisions and some interesting guys that weren't protected that maybe should have been. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are here with the Locked On MLB Prospects host, Lindsey Crosby. So how are we doing, Lindsey? Good. Glad, excited to be here. Excited to talk all things Boston Red Sox. So the last time we had you on, uh, it, it was only with Lauren, but it was right after the trade deadline. Some people were happy about the moves. Some people weren't, weren't super happy about the moves. But, you know, looking from the outside viewpoint at the Red Sox farm system currently, I'm curious your thoughts. It's to me, I always put it in into tiers, like tier one, you know, tier two, tier three. Uh, I have it down bottom half of that second tier. And for me, it's really, I don't see enough power hitters. And I feel like a lot of the guys are either, they've just graduated like a Brian Bello, like a Jared Duran, Tristan Cass is about to graduate, or they're very far away. They've got quite a few years, you know, like a Marcelo Meyer. And so it's in a weird place where there's not a ton of stuff that can help you right away unless you make moves out of the system. Right, and I'm curious to see, especially with Heim Bloom indicating that the team is a lot more comfortable this year prior to in past years of trading some of those prospects. Because, you know, we've seen him since, you know, being hired by the Red Sox, really trying to not only build up that farm system, but build up the MLB roster as a whole as well. Yeah, it's, it's something where if you want the Red Sox to have an appreciable positive impact on the field in 2022, there's a guy or two you can promote. Tristan Cassis as the starting first baseman. We all know that. But outside of that, you're going to have to move some guys. But I think that the way the system is set up and the distribution of talent, there's prospects that would be appealing to other teams. And there's plenty of guys that you can still uh, ship them out at the height of their prospect allure, or the, height, the height of their value before you have to do all of the hard work of development that could bring them down if they struggle for some way in that development. And we, we, we both know how difficult it is to realize or figure out, uh, especially looking into the future, when that right time to trade a player is. Because, you know, mm -hmm. you brought up Jaron Duran. Probably would have been very smart for the Red Sox to trade him last year prior to, you know, not only all the off-field stuff that happened with him with the media, but also his, his uh, not-too-impressive on-field performance, uh, not only in the majors, but also in Worcester as well. But um, I, I want to mainly bring you on to, you know, talk about maybe some trade proposals for some guys that the Red Sox have been linked to so far this offseason. But before we do that, uh, is there anybody in this Red Sox current system that you consider untouchable? Okay. Uh, Tristan Cassis, definitely untouchable. I mean, he's your starting first baseman. I, he's still technically a prospect. I consider him to be a big leaguer. Uh, in that same vein, Brian Bello isn't technically a prospect, but to me, same boat. I'm keeping him. I'm not shipping him out. And then I'm a big fan of Miguel Blyce. I know not everybody is. Uh, I am. I just, I love the tools. I think that the ceiling is high enough where you can't afford to ship him out and somebody else figure him out. 
He's got such a high ceiling. I mean, I I see him as potentially one of the 20 best players in baseball if everything works right, the 99th percentile outcome. And so those are my three untouchables. Other than that, open. I think that's important for most Red Sox fans to keep in mind because, you know, you, you see a lot on Twitter – trade proposals going back and forth and you know I've, I've seen them throughout the offseason but that's one of the biggest reasons why i wanted to bring in you an expert for, for locked on sport uh network of you know really trying to figure out who would actually fit for some of these players you know mm-hmm. l- like a sean murphy or a brian reynolds but we, we can start off with pirates outfielder brian reynolds because he's somebody who's been rumored for the last few years or so of, of linked to multiple different teams, but I believe this is the first time where the Red Sox have specifically been linked to Reynolds. And, you know, mm-hmm. especially with the way that the Pirates uh, organization is currently shifting more towards that long-term rebuild, Reynolds is essentially their blue chip uh, trade trade candidate, and mm-hmm. they're most likely looking to get uh, some of the top guys in any of these trades of the rosters of the opponents that they're going to be trading with. Yeah, and the thing to remember about both Murphy and Reynolds as we're getting into this, and something I feel like a lot of fans forget, is when you're going to get a guy from a team that doesn't have to trade him, you know, they can they can keep Brian Reynolds, they can financially afford him, they have a roster spot for him. Whenever you're going to get a guy that you that they don't have to trade, you're usually gonna have to overpay. And so when it comes to Brian Reynolds, like the package that I'm going to start off with. Like the pr- first person in that pros- in that in that package is shortstop Marcelo Meyer, your number one prospect. But it's a situation where you're going to have to overpay to get uh, a guy from a team who doesn't necessarily want to trade him, especially somebody who has been an all-star who batted 262, 345, 461 with 27 home runs last year. You know, and so I'm starting off with Marcelo Meyer. And then you're going to supplement with a pitcher. And the, the worst case scenario is having to give one of the top guys, like, like a Brian Mata, right? Like that's the worst case scenario is having to go big. But either way, I mean, you're, you're, you're giving up maybe a, a Zach Kelly or a Brandon Walter. You're giving up a, a prominent prospect mm-hmm. as, as well as your number one to try to get a guy like a Brian Reynolds. So for, for Brian Reynolds, you're mainly thinking of Marcelo Meyer and, and uh, uh, Brandon Walter sort, sort of two-for-one deal, or do you think you know, maybe, maybe a third or fourth player would, would, would be required for some sort of a trade like that? I always believe in this start off with a smaller package than it may take because if you are offering a blue-chip talent, which you're offering your number one prospect, then – they're usually going to be interested enough where you have a chance to counteroffer. The thing I don't want to do is come up here and say, hey, we're going to give you Marcelo Meyer and Brian Mata and Miguel Blyce for Brian Reynolds when they would have taken something smaller. But because you have a blue chip prospect in there, you can start off with a smaller package. The issue a lot of fans will have is you'll go out to MLB trade values and you'll pick and choose three or four or five guys that are all you know, worth very little by themselves and try to bring that package as a whole and say, well, this equals his value. Mm. There's nothing in there that's blue chip that appeals to them. So starting with Marcelo Meyer lets you start small, but I think you do end up giving a mid-range pitching prospect with that. If you're lucky, that's probably the lower end of the price. 
And, you know, specifically looking at Walter, you know, we, we saw in, in 2021 was, was the minor league pitcher of the year. And obviously his value would have been way higher if they, if they would have traded him last year. But do you think maybe his value dipped a little bit due to his injury-ridden uh, season this past year? Or do you think that the Red Sox could essentially uh, get as much value for a guy like Walter? So I, so, so I think with him, the track record he had in 21 – uh, doing what he did in both Salem and Greenville. And then you can point to Portland, what he did at Double A this year, and say, this is who he really is. He's the pitcher who won uh, minor league pitcher of the year and then did, yeah, threw up a ERA under three over nine starts in Portland and say it was seven and two thirds innings in Worcester. That's such a small sample size. Ignore that. And I think you're going to be able to get away with that. Uh, it's it's it doesn't work for everybody, but he has the pedigree of having of having done done it for a full season in the minors. And then two, I'm a little bit nervous about the crossbody delivery and just the amount of violence and kind of how extreme it looks. I'm worried about the injury risk in there, and so I think that it, it's a good time. He's had Tommy John. He got nicked up a little bit last year. Make the move before he has, or if he has some sort of large injury coming down the pipe later. And he is also one of those older type of prospects, 25, 26 25. age range. So, uh, you know, I, I could definitely see the Sox wanting to, you know, capitalize sort of on the value that he's, he's been able to show over these past two seasons. But you know, now looking at Sean Murphy as well, the, the athletics catcher, uh, do you believe that? that A's might want to, you know, get more of a value from Murphy, especially with how valuable power is at the catcher position? So talking to people around baseball, there's definitely a kind of a dichotomy between how fans are viewing Sean Murphy and how the teams are viewing Sean Murphy. And a lot of fans will look at what he did and they'll say, oh yeah, 250 batting average, 18 home runs. It's nothing special. And then when the teams are looking at him and the player personnel they're saying, well, it was a 122 WRC plus. So 22% above average. And he's a catcher where the baseline is 90. Um, max exit velo is 94th percentile. His weighted on base was like 344, whereas league average is like 313. From a purely statistical perspective, like the advanced stats, the three closest cops to him offensively last year, JT Muto, Carlos Correa, Francisco Lindor. Like that's wow. hit the that's the levels of his offensive performance last year, but it's it's hidden because he's in a huge ballpark and he's in a lineup that is frankly awful, and there's just no protection, no run scored opportunities around him. Um, so for me, I mean, this is something. Oh, fun fact: he hit 18 home runs, but if you put him in Fenway Park last year, he hits 13. Because what he does is hit a lot of his home runs or line drives to left field and. In Fenway, that's a double off the monster. And so, right. so, or just the longest single you've ever seen. And <laughs> so he has 13 home runs if you put him in, in Fenway last year. Uh, but the package for me, this is, um, I am looking at three top 10 prospects. Because the thing here is, one, they don't have to trade him. They want to. They want to extract maximum value. They don't have to. And then two, you're competing with a lot of teams to get Sean Murphy. Right. I've I've talked to half a dozen shows, like different team shows this offseason so far, evaluating their packages for Sean Murphy. So what I was kind of looking at is 
Marcelo Meyer is the key point of that package. And they have a weakness for shortstop in their system. They need shortstop. Mm -hmm. So that's a good fit there. Um, Sedane Raffaella, I know he's a top five prospect, um, but that's somebody who, uh, from a defensive perspective, would be appealing to them. And then Brian Mata, the right-handed pitcher as well. Three top 10 prospects. But to me, based on what a lot of other teams have done, that's a pretty competitive package, and it fits positions of need for the athletics. Yeah, I'm, I'm very curious to see if, if Heim, Heimblum would make it would uh, pull the trigger on that type of deal, especially with the depth that the Sox do currently have at the catcher position. Reese yeah. McGuire and, and, and has control until 2025. Obviously, Connor Wong just came up. You don't know what you're going to get from him. He's, he is somebody who has, has a lot of value, not only at the catcher position, can also play second base and third base, but very curious to see what they do on that front. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. They've got the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. Football, both college and pro. Basketball, men and women, college and pro. Soccer, esports, they've got everything at BetOnline.net. Look at the soccer stuff. USA just made the, the next round of the World Cup. I don't watch soccer at all, if you couldn't tell. But I know plenty about what's going on because I can get news and info and analysis at Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix and to stay up to date with all of the sports that you are or are not active watchers of. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action because Bet Online. It's where the game starts. Uh, but, you know, it's, especially with the Sox, with as many holes as they do currently have, pitching is the number one. And, you know, one guy who, you know, rumored at the beginning of the offseason might be on the move, but, you know, we, we've heard the Guardians now sort of step back on, on those sorts of comments. But, you know, who knows? We, we've, seen the, we've seen the Guardians, formerly the Indians, trade guys like Mike Clevenger as, as well as Corey Kluber when, when they're getting close to, you know, their control being up. But for, for a guy like Shane Bieber, you know, a Cy Young uh, winner and, and, you know, one of the top pitchers, young pitchers currently in the league, um, what do you think that the Red Sox would, would have to give up for somebody like him as well? So that's a situation, again, kind of looking at needs and what they need. They're looking for power. Uh, they've got a ton of middle infielders, so you're trying to stay away from that. I'm probably centering the package uh, with a, a top three prospect, either Meyer or Raffaella. Give them their choice, so let them choose who they get, uh, which is more common than we know about packages. Oftentimes, teams will do that. They will offer multiple guys as a key liner, and you can pick one. Uh, and then a power hitter, somebody like a Roman Anthony, uh, you know, second-rounder supplemental in this year's draft, but someone who uh, is a couple of years away, but projects out to have very good power at the big league level, which is a thing that they've specifically ha are looking for. And then supplementing that with a pitcher, a mid range pitcher, again, probably, you know, some of the guys we've talked about before, maybe a Brandon Walter, maybe a Zach Kelly. I know that the guardians are a little tougher to give a pitcher to because they have such strictly defined models as far as what they're looking for, for a pitcher. Mm -hmm. But I guarantee you, they also already know about three or four pitchers in your minor league system that they would love to get if you just asked. So uh, the package would end up being a top five position player prospect, would be a, a, a an outfielder, a power potential outfielder, and then a pitcher probably of their choice out of the system, somebody in the lower half of the 30 or unranked. 
Could you see Nico Cavadas as, as potentially a, a power uh, option uh, tra trading to the Guardians? We, we saw how well he did uh, not not only in you know Greenville but also Portland this past season, and you know one, one of the best power hitters in the Red Sox system. But I, I'm curious if, if he's a name that, that you could see potentially on the move as well. Uh, Ten home runs in 37 games in Greenville was nuts last year. Uh, the fact that he that he's we, they've been talking about first base is kind of his position, knowing that Tristan Cassis is coming up. That's a situation where I I absolutely could see him being somebody who they could say, hey, duplicative, duplicative here. We feel good about where Cassis is. We feel like he's going to work out, so we can move Cavadas. It's a little bit different having the DH because you have places to put guys, but so many teams nowadays like to rotate the DH spot to give guys days off versus having a full-time DH. So Cavadas would be another appealing option if the Guardian said, we have enough outfielders, we're good. Nico Cavadas, the Notre Damer, uh, he can go, and they probably would be happy with that as well because they do have that need at first base. And then, you know, it's now looking on to, you know, Brewers pitcher Brandon Woodruff, you know, we also heard as well Corbin Burns could be on the move. But both of these guys, we've heard, you know, could um, manage to bring in a huge hole for Milwaukee. And so uh, essentially I'm guessing Sedan, Rafael, or Meyer would probably have to be at the top of that package as well. Yeah, you're going to have to leave off with one of those guys. And not many teams can do this. I think the Red Sox – and I, it's question whether Chime will, will do it or not, but I think the Red Sox have the wherewithal to offer to take the Christian Yelich uh, contract off of their hands because that is a giant albatross for, uh, for the Brewers, and that's one of the things that's causing them to have to look at moving a Woodruff or moving a Burns. There's talk about they may have to trade uh, you know, a shortstop or anybody who's in ARB3 because they're having to pay so much to Yelich. So... You're in a situation where you can give one top prospect and take on Christian Yelich, or you probably have to give two of those top three, so maybe a Meyer and a Raffaella, as well as a couple other pieces <laughs> to get Brandon Woodruff. And so I really think take on the Yelich money, offer to take on Yelich, you're still giving a top prospect away, uh, but you could probably not have to give away two if you're bringing Yelich in. Stick him in yeah, left field. I, I, uh, yeah, I, I would love it. Obviously, what we've seen from Christian Yelich isn't sort of the MVP caliber that we saw from him, you know, three to four years ago, but still very productive outfielder, obviously, uh, especially, you know, on the corner outfields. That's a huge need for the Red Sox. But sort of what I've gathered from these different proposals, what you're saying, and this is something that I think Red Sox fans really need to drive into their mind if, if they want to upgrade on some of these big holes, especially through the trade market. It's gonna, it's gonna take a Sedan Raphael or a Marcelo Meyer. It's gonna hurt when you get that notification on your phone. It's gonna hurt, but that's the cost to get a guy that doesn't have to be moved. And again, there's, there's a few guys in the system that I'm not. Brian Bellow's not going anywhere. Like I'm, I'm not shipping him out. I've seen proposals. I've had proposals coming on my show for that. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. Uh, but uh, absolutely, you know, you're gonna have to move one of these top guys if you want. Somebody, especially a guy like a Sean Murphy, who everybody wants. You're going to have to be competitive in the market and you're going to have to overpay. Right. And I, I think, you know, 
I'm, I'm curious to see how aggressive Heim really is this, this off season, like essentially with, with this being the biggest off season of his tenure so far with the Red Sox. Some may also say, uh, you know, it, it could be an off season that defines the future of his job in Boston. But, you know, I, I think especially, you know, looking at sort of the needs that the Red Sox, you know, have, you know, not only for next season, but in the next four to five seasons, sort of forecasting that with, with the farm system and what today's episode is brought to you by our friends at simply safe. If you've thought about securing your home with home security, but have been putting it off, you want to listen up because right now locked on MLB listeners can order the number one rated simply safe home security system for 50% off. It's the biggest offer of the year and you do not want to miss it over the holidays, property, property crimes, like burglaries, package thefts, things like that spike nationally and that's why our friends at simply safe home security are offering 50 percent off their award-winning security system so more families can feel safe and secure this holiday season it's the, it's the it was called the best home security system of 2022 by u.s news and world report and that was the third straight year in a row that they had won it so don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system that i recommend get 50 percent off a new simply safe system at simplysafe.com slash locked on mlb today that's simplysafe.com slash locked on MLB. It's the biggest discount of the year. Don't wait. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Moving, but you know, now also moving on to the Rule 5 draft, which is something that you know some people forget didn't happen last year, uh, especially the, specifically the Major League uh, Rule 5 draft. But th- this was there were some decisions that you know I feel like were sort of swept under the rug. You know, we saw Brandon Walter and another guy in Sedan Rafael that we have mentioned so far in this episode did get selected uh, or did get protected um, from the rule five draft, but three other eligible players who I was sort of surprised didn't get uh, picked up for the 40 man roster for the Red Sox that could be on the open for different teams to pick apart. We can start off with Thad Ward, a guy who coming off of Tommy John surgery managed to have a 243 ERA down in Portland. Also, had a, an unbelievable f- performance down in the Arizona Fall League. But he was somebody, even though, you know, he's going into, you know, 25, 26 age season, I was sort of surprised uh, that he w- he wasn't somebody that was selected. Yeah, and and the mechanics of the Rule 5 draft and the logistics here, I think, are probably the reason why he wasn't protected. So to remind you, like, fans, if they're not quite familiar with how it works, you have to have an open 40-man roster spot. When you pick them, you pay $100,000. You cannot option them to the minors during the entirety of the 2023 season. They have to spend at least 90 days on the active roster. So if you get a guy who's injured, he still has to be active for 90 days. If not, if you don't do any of those one things, you have to give him back and you get like 50 grand back or something like that. You have his other team has the option to take him back. And the thing with that board, I love this stuff, right? So, He's he's looking to to get weak contact early in the count to get ground balls. He's got the two seamer. He's got the cutter. He's got the change. He still gets plenty of punchies with that big sweepy slider, uh, but he only threw thirty three innings in Double A coming off of Tommy John. And I think the reason that they didn't protect him is the thought process behind a lot of modern teams about workload and it's hard to take a guy who's coming off of TJ who did thirty three innings and keep him at the major league level in your bullpen all year, knowing that you're probably not going to want to go more than double his innings. So you're probably going to cap out at 65 innings or so. And so if he's working strictly as a reliever, 
you're looking at, you know, maybe half a season of usage before you're discussing when do we shut him down? When do we try to manage his workload? And it hampers your bullpen. And so I think for that reason, he's probably safe. If it wasn't for the Tommy John, I'd take him first pick. That word's going to me in a heartbeat. But I think because of that, if he survives and he stays with the Red Sox, that's why. It's workload concerns. That makes sense. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a very similar situation for uh, bullpen arm A.J. Bellini. He, he was somebody, quite honestly, that I was surprised uh, didn't, didn't get caught up in September. I believed that, especially with the season that he had split between Portland and Worcester, 50 games total, 234 ERA, and especially with, you know, how unreliable the Red Sox bullpen was. I was surprised that they didn't at least uh, want to look at his performance on on the Major League roster. But uh, we're also going to be speaking with him for Friday's episode. So, you know, you know, we'll be able to get his thoughts on why he was so successful. Might be his season. last interview before he gets picked in the Rule 5 draft. Who knows? Definitely could. But w- yeah. w- what's your thoughts on him? Okay, so... It's the best curveball in the system. I mean, it, it, it wow. absolutely is, having seen a bunch of them. Um, the fastball, I love the fastball as far as like elite levels of spin and movement to it. And it's a really interesting profile because they tunnel very, very well together. And so it gives you a lot of north and south action. And that's not something that a lot of relievers can do very well. A lot of real modern relievers feel like they lean on sliders. And so they're horizontal, and he's a vertical attacking guy. And the fastball up in the zone is very, very effective. He added a cutter uh, back in college. I want to say he was Seton Hall. He he added a cutter. And so with these three things, the changeup is there. Uh, but I think he could be a very good uh, middle or even with some development, high leverage reliever going forward. And so if he's not taken, it's because – I would guess they'd be a little bit concerned about once he got to Worcester, the, the walk rate ticked up a bit. I think he went over three walks per nine innings once he got there. But to me, I mean, for the minor leagues last year, he averaged under three walks per nine, struck out 10 and a half guys per nine innings. And like you said, two, three, four ERA looked fantastic. And so a little bit confusing, felt like he could have been used out of the bullpen and wasn't. And so not quite sure why he wasn't protected. I, if it's me, he's probably... Triple uh, A to big leagues next year in my bullpen. Right, that, that's that's what I thought in my mind. And you know, Thad Ward and AJ Pleated were the two guys that I was most surprised about. And then you know, once I saw a guy like Christian Cox, who you know was the Sea Dogs Offensive Player of the Year, batted two sixty with seventeen home runs. You know, good friend of the podcast as well. Uh, it was tough for me to see him on that list of one of those guys that wasn't selected. Yeah, and and that's a situation where. Position players, I feel like, are a little bit harder to hide at the big league level if they don't work out, right? And so that's a situation, I guess, that that's what they're kind of leaning on. Uh, But I was also surprised. Another guy that stood out to me pitcher-wise, because, you know, they're a lot easier to take in in Rule 5, Ryan Fernandez. I expected him to be protected. You know, I I know he's a 23rd rounder. Uh, you know, out of junior college. And so a lot of folks don't care about him, um, but made it to double A Portland. And the thing to me is the four seam velocity jumped last year. He's got, he got up hitting 96, 97, sitting there touching 99 with the fastball. The cutter looks like it's a true cutter, uh, you know, sits around, you know, sits 93, 94, can touch 95, 96. And, and good command. He misses bats. 
doesn't walk a ton of guys. I think in, in Portland, he walked maybe one and a half guys per nine. And so I know he's a little bit, he's like, minors wise, he's only made it for 10 games in double A, but he's 24 years old. He's been in the minors for a while. And it feels like he, he's a guy that if you go out and get him, he can contribute in your bullpen almost right away. So I'm a little surprised that he wasn't protected either. And, you know, out, out of the four guys that you mentioned, which ones do you think are, are most likely to not be in the Red Sox system starting the 2023 season? Uh, probably Politi, because I think he was good enough to pitch in the big leagues last year, like you said. And so, to me, it seems really easy to go out, even for a team that's not necessarily contending. You can go out and you can get him, you can stash him in your bullpen, and then the idea is he's working, he's working with your veterans, he's learning and refining, and then when you flip those veterans at the trade deadline, he now steps into a bigger role for the second half of the season, so you can kind of ease him in and manage his innings that way. I could see somebody trying that with Thad Ward, uh, but to me, coming off of Tommy John and only getting 30, 33 innings, it's a little bit riskier to do. So Politi's to me, like that's the guy who's going to get taken, uh, and he's going to be popping up in a bullpen in August and still, you know, not been shut down yet for the season. That makes sense. And, you know, one thing for, I think, fans to, you know, remind themselves of is Heimblum has mentioned this throughout the last two seasons. There's going to be times where the depth is so good, not only on the major league roster, but in the system to where, you know, they're going to have an overload of very valuable players. And, you know, he mentioned that's not a bad thing. We always want more depth than we can handle. And, you know, that obviously helps them not only in the trade market, um, but also with them wanting to have consistent um, competition or be consistently competitive uh, as Heim Bloom sort of promised in his opening press conference. But very curious to see not only what happens on the Rule 5 front, but also what happens in the trade market, specifically with the Red Sox. And, you know, if, if we'll even see Marcel Meyer, Sedan, Rafaela, um, you know, on, on the, in the farm system begin the season. But uh, really appreciate you taking the time, Lindsay, and uh, for, 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 you know, giving your thoughts and your insight on these different topics. But, you know, for anybody that, you know, wants to check out your podcast or any, any of your other stuff, where can they find you? Yeah, so my podcast, Locked on MLB Prospects, is available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. You can send questions to us on Twitter at Locked on Farm. We do mailbags every single Monday. I love it. Really appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me, Jake.